Aren't those words so true? How much we need the Lord. I think we conceptually get that idea and understand it, but uh, I think our lives would look a, a lot differently if we actually acted as if that was true. Uh, we need the Lord in order to get out of bed in the mornings. Amen. Just to, just to get out and go and uh, uh, attack the day and do whatever it is that needs to be done throughout the day. We need the Lord for each and everything that we have to do in our lives. And we think we do it on our own. But in fact, we have the Lord there that's, that's carrying us and, and, and taking care of us and strengthening us and give us courage in all those areas of life. We need him every moment of every day. Man. I don't want us to lose sight of that. I don't want us to take it for granted um, that, that you have any responsibility or you're, you're the one that's doing it all by yourself. We have the Lord that's there and giving us the breath that we breathe in our lungs to help us be able to put the foot in front of the other in order to do what it is that we're going to do. So I praise God for that. I thank him for doing that for us because without him, uh, we would have nothing. I don't understand how people can go through life without knowing the Lord, without having this type of faith that we have, knowing that, that God has given us this, this incredible gift, but they go along in their lives and struggle, and, and this, this hamster wheel of life just going and going and going without knowing the truth of the gospel. That's why we're here, so that, we, that you all can be equipped to go talk to those people who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior so that you can uh, explain to them how they can have hope even when the world tells them that there is none. That we have uh, the special cheat code, so to speak. You know, we, we know the, 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 the combinations that we need to put in, and it's all found in this scripture so that we can get to know the Lord and then go be able to tell others. This morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 10. You can turn with me there. When we talk about the world, when we talk about everything that is going on in the world, it's hard to miss how we treat one another. Over the, the many, many years that um, not only that the United States has been in existence, but that people have inhabited the world, you know, we treat each other based on just made up things. And we want to make an assessment of somebody based on how they look, how they dress, what, what kind of job they have, what family they come from. And we make some judgments on that. We treat people based on uh, those factors that, that have uh, basically nothing to do with who that person is on the inside. And we know this very well, especially living here in America. We've got a long, uh, sordid story of just how we treat one another just here. And we can go back to the founding of the United States, but I don't think we need to go back that far. You know, we've all got stories of how we've been treated or mistreated based on the various factors of, of our lives and who we are, what we've done. But the reality is that these factors such as you know, your, your race, your, your skin color, your pedigree, your education, your social status, economic status, none of that matters when it comes to eternity. When God looks at you, 
When, when God decided to send his one and only son, none of those things were a factor in his decision to do those things. We are all made and created in the image of God, but yet we don't treat each other as if that is so. We let all these other things come into our minds and our thoughts, and we let those things propel us. We see things on the news, and uh, uh, whether consciously or unconsciously, we think various things about certain people groups, but has no standing, no foundation in God's economy. This morning we're going to talk in Acts 10 about how even back then God uses this idea of the differences between people, where they came from, how they were raised, what group they're in, and how God plans to break that up and show us that there's no partiality when it comes to God and his kingdom. Look with me in your copy of God's Word in Acts chapter 10. We're going to start here in verse 1. And God's Word reads, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all of his household, gave alms generously to people and prayed continually to God. And about the ninth hour of the day he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him and departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Here in our text this morning, Cornelius, he's a Gentile. He believed in God, but he wasn't circumcised. He hadn't converted to Judaism. And he did some good things. He did some things that were charitable. He gave money for the, the work of the Jewish people. And he always prayed to God. He is, the text said he was a God-fearer. Now, God-fearers were those who respected the Jewish beliefs and customs that were um, uh, out there, um, but uh, they also included the customs and food laws and special days. And they were often associated with the Jews, but they were unwilling to convert to Judaism. Here, as we pick up, Caesarea is the, the capital of the Roman occupation in Israel. And it's a military town. And so what's interesting about this location is that the, the, the Jews, they, they hated Caesarea. They, uh, there were so many different people and so, many, uh, so much mixing as, as uh, different places were being conquered and taken care of. They all just kind of stayed in the area. And there was a lot of mixing that happened and a lot of traditions that stayed uh, constant. If they thought it was the daughter of Edom or a place of ungodliness, Peter is going to have to come to terms when Cornelius and his group is sent to ask Peter to come. Peter, being a Jew, he's going to have to come to terms with his own prejudices. 
his own thoughts be based on his upbringing and how they looked at the area. The gospel is about to break away these sinful beliefs that Peter held on when he comes to people who aren't like him. Let's pick up in verse 9. The next day as they were on their journey in a Approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, it fell into a trance. And he saw heavens open and something like a gray sheet descended, being led down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, what I have never eaten anything that is uncommon is that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again the second time. It says, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Here at the end, what's up with Peter and, and not obeying three times. I mean, he's got this track record. If you remember, right, uh, Jesus tells him, you're going to deny me three times. And, and, and fortunately, yeah, he came back and he, he repented and he got back on fire. And, and, and we see a great change with Peter, which is encouraging. You know, he's on fire for the Lord. And he's, he's going and sharing the gospel. He's, he's talking to new converts and all this. But then this thing happens. And <laughs> Three, three more times, like, well, I don't, I don't eat what's common and unclean. Like, wait, Peter, you're not listening. Do not call uncommon. <laughs> do not do this. Do, do what I'm asking you to do. Well, well I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I just never had anything like that. Peter, <laughs> I don't know what is, what's going on with Peter, but he, it, t- it takes a little bit, kind of like me. It takes a little bit for, for things to get through my knucklehead sometimes so I can empathize with what was Peter is going on. Peter had always been faithful to his dietary restrictions, and God had uh, given Israel um, uh, these restrictions under the Old Covenant. And if you're uh, in Robin's Sunday School, uh, you, you've talked about this in the book of Leviticus, Leviticus 11, where it talks about these dietary restrictions and rules that were put into place. But however, during Jesus' ministry, he declared all food as clean. If you remember from our study in uh, Mark, in Mark 7 and 18, it says, he said to them, then you're also, uh, you also without understanding. Uh, do you not know, or do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Whatever you put into yourself cannot defile you. What defiles you? Since it enters not the heart, but his stomach, and it is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. From for within, uh, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, and adultery, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things have come from within, and they defile a person. This is very important. There are sects out there that will say, well, you can't eat these kinds of food because um, in the Bible, it says you're not supposed to eat the things with the cloven hooves and, and all these other kind of things. But when, when Jesus says this, he says, it's not what you eat that it defiles you, what, what comes out of your mouth. And they say, well, 
Um, well, it's, it's, it's saying, well, you're going to throw up, and that's, that's why it's not going to defile you. But that doesn't make sense in the context. What he says defiles you is what comes out of your mouth, and he lists so many things here, the sexual, immoral, the evil thoughts, the threat, theft, murder, adultery, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, and so on. These things that come from your heart is what defiles you, not because you had some pulled pork. This is very important for us to know and get. And Peter had always abided by this Jewish food laws. And then Jesus throws him for this loop. He's commanding him to kill and eat unclean animals. Very hard uh, lesson for him to learn. The standard that Peter had been taught was irrelevant in light of what God was, had done and what he is doing currently in his life. The Lord was about to teach him more than just changing his diet. This is an object lesson that he's seen through this trance that he's seen. We're going to start with these things, these food items that you call unclean, but there's people that you won't associate with, that you won't be around, that you won't talk to, that you call unclean. And I'm going to show you how to react to that as well. Here the Lord is going to break down racial divides and again usher in a new day. What Peter saw was a symbol of the cleansing of the unclean Gentiles. Peter had to really wrestle with this vision. He was having a hard time understanding what it meant, which I, I can understand. You see this sheep drop down, and you see all these animals and things happening, and you're like, well, what exactly is, is going on here? In the meantime, Cornelius' servants, they arrive at his house. Surprisingly, Peter invites them in and lets them stay the night. So maybe he's starting to get it. Maybe he's saying, okay, well, I, I'm not sure. I'm going to take this next step in obedience, and I'm going to invite these, these people in and invite them to stay. And it may not seem, seem like a big deal to us, but Jews didn't associate with folks from the other side of the track, so to speak. They just didn't. Peter had to quickly decide to be obedient to what the Lord had already shown him. It didn't require years of diversity training. It didn't, he didn't have to go to seminars and to embrace this particular truth. All it took was his willingness to take God at his word and be obedient to it. Isn't that something? I wish that's all that it took for us. I wish we would take God at his word and do what he said and instead of having to do all this extra stuff just to treat people the way they ought to be treated. In my corporate job, we've got all these, these different things. We've got diversity training. We've got um, inclusion. We've got uh, uh, leadership and how to treat people on your team. We've got just be right, do right by people. It's not, it shouldn't be that hard, but because of our upbringings, because of our experiences, because of our, our thoughts. We've got all this garbage that we're trying to, to sift through when we interact with others. The next day, Peter goes with the servants of Cornelius, and he goes with them to Caesarea. We're going to pick up here in verse 30. Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, 
Your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon a tavern by the sea. And uh, so I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, uh, we, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have commanded by the Lord. As I picture all this happening, I'm like, this is incredible. This is, this is amazing. What a great opportunity. Can you imagine that you go to somebody's house who is unsaved and you go in and um, they're, they're telling you, hey, I know that you're a man, a woman of God. Tell me about him. Wow, we're just going to roll out the red, red carpet and you, somebody just wants to hear about the gospel? This is what Cornelius is doing. They tell us all about the Lord, what he has told you to tell us. What, what, is, what do you have for us today? And here's what I want you to take away from this. Don't hesitate to befriend someone who is different from you. If we were to go, and those of you who have Facebook, if you go look at your Facebook and look at your friends list, I wonder how many people that you have in your friends list that are different than you. Be- because it might mirror your regular day-to-day life. So when you think about the people that you interact with, And we tend to congregate with people who are like us. It's something natural. And sometimes, or or mostly, we have to go outside of ourselves to go and interact and be with somebody who does not look like us, doesn't have the same upbringing as us, may come from a different culture than us. This is something that I really love about this church. There's something about the fabric of this church since the very beginning. I look at old black and white pictures that I have in my office from when, when this church was founded and it's looked very similar to the way it does today with a lot of people who look different, with a lot of people who have different upbringings, different backgrounds, different educations, different careers. I love that about this church. But I want us to, to, to do more. I want us to be able to capitalize on that because I, I, I think this might be one of the few times that we all get together. And I love for us to be able to spend time with one another outside of the church building, have others over to your house and get to know them better. Man, when I say this all the time, when you break bread with somebody else, you, that's when you really get to know somebody. And especially in the intimacy of your own home, you get to see how, the, how the people live, and you might see some pictures on the wall. And like, oh, tell me about that picture. When was that? And who is this in the picture? And you really get to know them. And because of that, you love them even more deeply. And when you, we start to inter, interact and intertwine our lives, we will find that we care for one another that much more. And that they will come up in our minds when we sit down and we are praying. They're like, oh, I need to pray for Karima because I remember when we were talking and she told me these things and I want to make sure that I want to be praying for Tim and, and the things that are going on here and, and the blessing he's been is just thank God for when we start to spend time with one another, then we would care more deeply and we would uh, interact with God and lift them up in prayer. And we'd go call them and, and check on them, see how they're doing, go and celebrate their, their special times of life, birthdays, anniversaries, and all these kind of things. This is what I want for us. 
And this is encompassing that we show hospitality to everyone. It's one thing to be hospitable here in the building at church, but we, we need to be hospitable at our own homes as well and invite people over. And, and not just our, our church folk, but uh, why don't you also invite your neighbor over too? Have some people over uh, from church. You invite your neighbors over and get to know them as well. Maybe they might be an unbelieving neighbor, and they might, you might get this opportunity like Peter did with Cornelius and crew. Tell me what the Lord has for us. Tell me. I know you're a God-fearing person. Tell me about this God, this Jesus that you follow. I want you to also show humility with everyone, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their income, or dare I say, their political affiliation. It's important that we understand that we are all made in the image of of God, each and every one of us. If you hesitate to associate or befriend or even open your home to somebody who's different from you or someone outside of your particular circle, then I encourage you to go to the Lord and ask him to change your heart. We've been called to take the gospel to the nations, and we've got many of those nations represented here. This is our first mission field, where it is that we are. Where you live is your mission field. Look with me in verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. For you yourselves know what happened throughout Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with his Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we're all witnesses of all that he did, uh, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God, but God raised him on the third day and made him appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that anyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. What I love about this is Cornelius says, tell us what the Lord has commanded you to say. And Peter is ready. He's ready to be able to tell the people what the Lord has to say, and he just tells them the gospel. Brothers and sisters, we need to be ready at a drop of a hat. You don't have to be this vast theologian and be able to answer any and all different questions. You just need to know the fundamentals of the gospel. And this is what Peter did. We say this in sales. 
You've got to be ready. If you're going to pitch somebody about a product or a service, you need to be ready at any time for your elevator pitch, so to speak, right? And we, this is not sales, but we got the best offering that anybody could ever have. His name is Jesus. And this is what people need to hear. This is what people, we need to be ready to be able to share at any moment of any day for those who are, are uh, ready to hear it or willing to listen. We need to be audible ready with the gospel message. Here are some essentials when we have share the gospel. Again, you don't have to be this theologian. You don't have to go to um, a, a, a seminary or a theological school or any of that stuff. You just need to read the Bible. You need to read and understand who God is, first for yourself, first so you know who you claim to follow and you do what he says, and then uh, having lived that out, you'd be able to go and tell others. What we need to be able to share about the gospel is that Jesus is the Christ and he's Lord of all, that Jesus died under the curse that we rightly deserve. We need to be able to communicate that Jesus was raised from the dead and he would reign forever as king. One day Jesus will come back. He'll come back again and judge all of us. And this is all in accordance with the scripture. And those who believe to him or promise forgiveness and will spend forever and eternity with him. This is just distilling it down into bullet point items as to what it is about the gospel that we need to share. There's a lot more that we could share about it, but if you want to distill it down and make it really simple, these are some easy bullet points just to have on hand and talk about what Jesus has done for you in your life. Where were you before you encountered Jesus? Much like Saul. We know where Saul was before he encountered Jesus. And then Jesus got a hold of him and transformed his entire life. How did Jesus transform your life? What is it that he did for you? Tony Evans, who's a pastor at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, um, he, he describes uh, what we're talking about in this way. He says, when an Olympic athlete wins a gold medal, no one asks the athlete what song he or she would like to hear played at the the war ceremony. They play the anthem of the country that the athlete represents. No matter how diverse the athletes are from a given country, they compete under the same flag. Similarly, believers in Jesus Christ come from every tribe, tongue, nation, race, and gender. These different aspects of humanity are a part of God's creation and therefore are not obliterated by the gospel, but they are not the most important things about us. We do not primarily represent our race. We represent God's kingdom. We live, work, and worship together under his banner, not our own what I want you to take away for us this morning. I want you to look at your lives and I want you to really look at who it is that God has placed around you. 
Look at the people that you most interact with. And I want you to diversify. I want you to get to know people who are not like you. Not just for the sake of doing it, but what we see out on social media and other things, that we, we have this impression about other people groups or uh, how people act and react, and we want to talk, well, why don't they do this, or how come they don't do it? They say, why are they saying this? It doesn't make any sense. But I tell you, if you get to know somebody who is different than you, who might be struggling in ways that you've never struggled, if you do life with those people, may you, maybe you'll gain a deeper understanding for who they are and their plight in this world that you'll be able to pray for them in a different way or pray for them at all. That you will be able to see them as an image bearer of God and will cause you to have more compassion. And we're a great place for not only this church, but Bolingbrook as a whole. Have all the nations represented here. Well, not all the nations, but a lot of nations. We have a great opportunity here to reach those nations. So I encourage you to go in. Even if there's somebody here today that you don't know deeply, I want you to have a conversation with them. I want you to have them over to your house for lunch or dinner, coffee or whatever have you. Get to know them so that you can interact with them as a man and woman of God. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, I thank you so much for giving us, not, we're able to see Peter and to go through and the lessons that you taught him and we're able to learn from that as a byproduct. Father, thank you for uh, showing us these things, showing us how we might be able to have compassion for people that uh, might be different from us. Uh, let us be inquisitive and want to learn more about different people, different nationalities, different uh, people, uh, different backgrounds and income statuses so that we, we can uh, uh, get to know them and, and be able to pray for them and encourage them in different ways. And, and ultimately, that we will be put in contact with people who don't know the name of Jesus. And when you, we're in front of them, that we pray that you would uh, uh, open their hearts so they would be like Cornelius and say, tell us all that God has commanded and that you would uh, give us the words to say and how to say them so that we can share the gospel and, 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 and give them hope and let them see and, and understand and experience who Jesus Christ is and how they can see the, the, the transformation in their own lives or the things that we've experienced because of our walk with Jesus. Father, I thank you for entrusting us with this very mission. We just need your encouragement. We need uh, your strength to, to be able to do it and stand on it and be obedient to it. Father, help us to do that. Father, we thank you for all the things that you've done, the things that you will continue to do. And this is in the precious name of Jesus we pray this. Amen.